This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Hey, today we're starting a new series called Beyond Blue. It'll be four weeks long for all of us at Calvary who are thinking about all the things that are happening in our world. And we're going to talk about anxiety, worry, doubt, fear, anger, and depression. And it makes sense, doesn't it? As this year has gotten off to our start, we are faced with all kinds of challenges that really come at us in all kinds of ways. And we're hoping that this series will be a comfort to you, a help to all of us as we try to walk with Jesus through the difficulties of life. All of us as human beings, we're emotional beings, we're spiritual beings, we're sexual beings, we're physiological, intellectual, emotional. We are a complex of all of these different facets and we share all that in common as human beings. We all share all these facets together of what it means to be human. And every facet of our humanity has been impacted by the fall. We're all broken, we're all sinful, and every domain of our life is impacted in every way. So when these events that happen in the world, we're not surprised that sadness or anxiety or worry would come into our life. All of our life situation is touched by these things. And yet, for those of us who have come to know Christ, we're redeemed in him and we're being sanctified by the Holy Spirit through the grace of God. In all of the areas of our life, we're being changed more and more into the likeness of Christ. But we're aware that we sometimes grapple with these difficult issues in our soul and in our mind. Now, when we have a physical problem, we know what to do. We've become very aware of our physical makeup. Over the last 40 or 50 years, we've become keenly aware that what we eat matters and whether or not we exercise has an impact on our physical health, if we get enough sleep or not. That's been so important to us here, especially in the United States of America. But 40 or 50 years ago, it wasn't a thing. But now it's very much a thing. Additionally, many of us became aware as young kids and then as teenagers and then young adults of how to do the basic first aid. If you had a scratch, we know how to clean it, how to put ointment on it so it won't get infected, how to put a Band-Aid on. Even more complicated, we can handle physical things by administering a tourniquet. And some of us know how to do CPR. But when it comes to perhaps the emotional or mental domain of our life, some of us don't know how to administer the basic first aid and help that's necessary. My prayer is that this series will bring some of the tools down to the bottom shelf that all of us could become better equipped to know how to help one another. Because we're all on, if you will, we're all on a mental health journey. We are. It's part of our humanity together that we share in common our mental stability and health, and we're all experiencing that. 
It doesn't freak us out that we go through episodes that are challenging for the way we think things through. When sad things happen, we get sad. When crazy things happen in the world, we develop anxiety. We don't want to. We know the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But sometimes I am. And we have to come to deal with that and learn how to cope and, and heal from our anxieties, worries, even our despondency and depression. Often over the years, the Christian response to someone who is despondent would be, well, you just need to have a, a quiet time. Oh, you're already having a quiet time. Well, then you need to get up earlier and stay longer. And in reality, those things, as valuable as they are, aren't the easy answer all the time for some of the things that are happening in our soul and in our minds. Or you say, well, you have to go somewhere else and get professional help. Go see a professional and start drugs. And I don't minimize the benefit of those things. I've been the beneficiary of recovery ministries and therapy and counseling, and I know how valuable those are. Or sometimes we would say, you, you can't give help unless you're an expert. But the reality is, we all share in common this journey in our life of following Jesus and going through the sanctification process while we're experiencing some very, very challenging things in our soul and in our mind and in the way we think. So for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about our mental health, our spiritual health, and our emotional health. My prayer is that as we study these things together, God will release our congregation to rise up together and come alongside one another in a way that will be so helpful that it will not only strengthen us as a congregation, but that we will be representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world to people who are struggling in our world with anxiety and fear and depression and worry and anger. This is our time to do that. Let me begin by saying two very simple principles. Number one, the experience of despair and despondency is common to all people. We're going to see that. So if you're in the blues today, I want to say that what you're experiencing is what we all experience from time to time. That's not to say that we all experience it in exactly the same way or the same measure, but we're all susceptible to its pain. And it's helpful to normalize that despondency is a common human experience. Secondly, you might be surprised to know that seasons of despondency are not incompatible with great faith. I want to show you in the Bible that experiences of discouragement and even outright despair are often found in the hearts of those people who know God and are working hard to trust him. Now, in this series, it's... It's got some dangers to it. We have a danger of overemphasizing our suffering mentally, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, and underestimating God's ability to help in the midst of it. We don't want to do that. 
Or there's also a danger of underestimating the suffering that we all experience in despondency and despair and then try to offer simple or pat answers. I'm going to try not to do that. What I want us to know is that we're all on a journey together, a mental health journey, and we can come alongside each other and help each other, and the scriptures will help us. So because despondency is common to all and it's not incompatible with great faith, I want you to open your Bibles with me to Numbers chapter 11 and verse 14. Hopelessness happens to the best of us, and episodes of discouragement are so common, even among people who know God, love God, and are being used by God. So we turn to Numbers chapter 11, we find Moses. Moses was called by God to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. They're wandering in the wilderness, and surprise, surprise, it's hard. They're suffering, they're hungry, they're tired. And they're, they're at the end of their wits, and they are complaining. And as they're complaining, God intervenes, and Moses is like totally the leader of God, the great man of faith. But listen to his words in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 14. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, God, kill me now. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. Ha! That's Moses. I'm done. I want to be dead. It was a suicidal ideation that the man of God who had done all this work, this is the same man who ascended to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. He stood up to Pharaoh. He led over the ten plagues that God brought to Egypt. He's the one who met face to face with God. But in this moment, this man of great faith is at such a place that he says, I'm done. You ever been there? I've been there. I know what it is to want to give up. This is Moses, our hero of faith. Just remember that the experience of despondency is common, even to people who have faith. I'll show you another one. Elijah. Elijah is a prophet that God used, and he rose up to do this great battle um, against the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18. You can read all of that. And the, the test was, could God bring fire down? And he did. And Elijah just destroyed the 450 prophets of Baal. It was what you would have to call one of the greatest spiritual victories that ever occurred and so Elijah took off. But when Elijah took off, King Ahab went back and told the queen, Jezebel, this is 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets of Baal with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as one of them by this time tomorrow. So she threatens to kill 
Elijah, who had just been so victorious. And verse 3 of 1 Kings 19 says, Then he was afraid, and he arose, and he ran for his life. Wait, a man of faith with a great spiritual victory is now afraid. He gets up and runs for his life. And then in verse 4, he says, it says of him, he went off by himself a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die saying, it is enough now, Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. See a theme going here? It's like, I'm done. I don't want to live another day. It's too hard. It is amazing that a prophet of God would get to that place or it's not that amazing. It's common to have these valleys that we get into and we say, I just can't go further. How about Job? Just think about Job for a minute and all that he lost. And he was getting this counsel from all of his friends and the counsel was not that good. And he got to a place where he uttered these words in Job 6, verses 8 and 9. Oh, that I might have my request, that God would fulfill my hope, that it would please God to crush me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. I'm done. I cannot go on. That's Job. That's the same one who was righteous in God's sight and was faithful and uttered these words a few chapters later. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's what Job said. And Job just is another picture of in the valley and on the mountain experiencing God's blessing, which he did at the end, and being in the lowest of lows. Jeremiah is another one. Jeremiah, a great prophet of God, said, Cursed be the day on which I was born, the day my mother bore me. Let that day not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father, a son is born to you, making my father very glad. Let that man be like the city that the Lord overthrew without pity. Let him hear the cry of the morning and the alarm at noon because he did not kill me in the womb. So my mother would have been my grave and her womb forever great. Jeremiah 20, verse 18. Why did I come out of the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame? This is another great prophet of God. Why was I born to see all this trouble? Boy, have any of us asked that question in the last two years? Why all this turmoil and trouble and shame and anxiety and worry? This is from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is the prophet who wrote a few chapters later this familiar verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. Those came out of the, word, the mouth of Jeremiah, as did, why was I ever born? 
Okay, you got the picture, right? People of great faith have had valleys that they have trudged through and also mountains they've ascended and experienced God. Listen, how do we move beyond blue? I think one last person we could look at, if you have your Bible, open to Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, one more great hero of faith is David. And David asked this question in Psalm 42, 6. He said, my soul is cast down within me. That's a good way of describing despondency or despair or depression. My soul is just cast down. I can't look up. Therefore, I remember you. Ah, there's a little bit of hope and help there. Therefore, I remember you. You know, when a person is downcast, when I have been in a depressed mindset, the world gets very small. I'm downcast and I can't see anything else except my situation. What needs to happen in that moment? David helps us. Therefore, I remember you. And you can almost imagine David saying, I'm so discouraged. So I remember you. And people who are despondent, when I'm despondent, I need to recapture a bigger view of God. The question I'm asking is, where are you, God? How long will you let me linger here forever? But if I can capture a bigger view of God, I can be helped in that moment to persevere enough in faith that God might meet me there. I can think of nothing that helps us capture a bigger vision of God than the scriptures. So I go to the word of God and I, I ask it to show me who God is. But we need each other because of our shared humanity that we're all on this journey together of going through difficulties. We need to be in the community of God's people together because God never wastes the experiences of our life. When one goes through difficulty, another comes along and helps and says, I've been there before. This is how the Bible guides us. Perhaps we'll close with this this morning, just thinking about how should we begin to move if in fact despondency is common and it's not incompatible with faith, then Romans chapter 15 verses 1 through 3 help us. Turn there with me in your Bible. Romans chapter 15 verses 1 through 3. There it says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. And there's a picture. 
When we're down, what we're praying for is others around us who can come alongside to bear the weaknesses that we are in in that moment. We ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. That means to carry the weight, to shoulder the burden, to help along with helpful actions. Now, that's our aim. It's incumbent upon us to do that, not just to endure with people, not just to tolerate those who are suffering, but to really come along and help. The aim of coming alongside is to build them up, not to straighten them out, not to fix them, not to give them advice, but to nurture and to build up and to help and to strengthen their faith to see and remember God. That's a call on all of us. Now, normally, it is those who are strong, those who are, life is going well, that come alongside those who are feeling crushed by what's happening. But last week, after the fires, I was able to talk with several of our families who lost everything in the fire. I wrote about it in my newsletter this week, but I listened to the words of those who just experienced one of the most traumatic life dramas by losing every single possession they had in the Marshall Fire. Here are some of the things they said. One family said, we lost everything, but we're safe and it's just stuff. It can all be replaced. God is good and he's holding us fast in his unwavering arms. His promises are true and we are clinging tightly to them. We are blessed beyond measure. Wow, you know that when trauma comes, we look down. But this person and their family is saying, we are looking to the promises of God and we're holding on. I was blessed by their faith in the midst of their trauma. Another family said, as we opened the car door to leave our home, sparks were flying in the car, but God was good to us to protect us. We could barely see as we drove out of the neighborhood, but God is so good. And another friend said, I have a new life verse. I can say with Paul, I have suffered the loss of all things, but God is so faithful. I ask the question, who can say that? Who can say God is faithful when you lose everything? It's somebody who has a vision of God in the midst of suffering. Suffering has a tendency to make us not look to God. But if we can help each other get our eyes up a bit to see God is greater than our suffering. God is not absent in our suffering. And God has actually experienced suffering in the deepest way to bring us into relationship with himself. I would just close with this verse for us this morning, today, wherever you are when you're listening to this. It comes from Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.
Maybe you're feeling like you're in the valley of despair today, but hopefully it helps to see that others have been there and by the grace of God have come to see a vision of God that helped them move forward. And I hope you'll be able to move forward. We want to help you if we can. If there's a way that we can minister to you, I hope you'll let us know here. We want to. And together, let's understand that we're all on this journey together and we need each other. So perhaps today will be the day that you click in and say, I'm going to join a small group. I'm going to join a life group that will help me be in the journey with others. Because there are no experts. There's just co-travelers on the journey to sanctification, walking with God and trusting in the vision of who he is. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, as we bow our heads today and think about the journey of our life, our complex humanity, dealing with difficulty and struggle and discouragement, dealing with suffering and anxiety and worry, I pray that you will help us to have a vision of you that lifts us up enough to to remember you when we are downcast. And then I pray that you will, in fact, be near to the brokenhearted and draw near to those who are crushed in their spirit. Give us hope and give us help with one another as we journey on this life together to follow Jesus. We pray for your help. Meet us and help us to strengthen and build up one another. We pray for this together in the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen.